We're in the town of Tralee, under the shadow of Slievemish Mountain, by the town park, outside the magnificent new headquarters of Shim Satira, the National Folk Theatre, a building that has just been completed at a cost of £1.6 million. And with me is the founder of Shim Satira and the artistic director, Father Pat Ahern. Father Pat, could you give us some indication of what you see as you stand out here in the town park looking across at this very unusual structure? Well, the, obviously the first thing that strikes one is the stone wall, which runs right round the building, a stone, a fairly high wall, it's about, uh, I think it's about four metres high, running right round, circular round, enclosing the, the cluster of buildings within. And it suggests, I suppose, the ring fort. Uh, indeed, that's the, 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 the concept we had in, in, in the design. Um, a, a circular wall, which then opens out uh, in front there to create the, the entrance. So uh, you're invited in to see what happens behind the wall, so to speak, as you approach the entrance. There's that feeling of let, let's, get, let's get inside and see what's, go what's going on. The opening of this new headquarters for Shim Satira is the culmination of your life's work, really, isn't it? You could little have believed back in the 60s when you got involved with Shim Satira that one day you would have this magnificent home and a full-time company. Not in the least. It was the farthest thing from my mind. When you, I think when you start something like this, you don't look beyond the immediate present. Now, all I was interested in way back in all those years ago, I suppose, how long is it? It's, it's, um, oh, it's 25 years ago, I'm sure, uh, back in the 60s. Um, we, we had nothing more in mind then than an experiment with uh, trying to find a way of giving a visual treatment to some of our old songs uh, ways of life, customs and so on. Things that I suppose I had a sort of a nostalgic hankering after because I grew up with a lot of this on the farm at home in my van. And uh, when I was a young lad growing up, my father was in the army. So during war, the war years, for instance, he was away all the time and it was my grandfather who, who really looked after us and kind of was father to us. And um, he, he was fairly old-fashioned in his ways, and he held on to a lot of the older ways of doing things. And I can remember, you know, things like threshing the corn in, 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 in the old dwelling house with the flails. Um, a lot of things on the farm that have since surfaced and sort of come to life on stage in, in Shimsa. Uh, I suppose they were the kind of things that, that, that really first started me on this road. So how has the philosophy of Shimsa Tira changed over the years? I don't think it has changed, really. Uh, we're, we're still aiming to to um, make accessible, I suppose, for for a lot of other people, our traditions, uh, our culture, uh, our music, our songs, uh, our ways of life of, of our people in times past. Um, we're still try trying to find ways and means of, of of making, as I say, making that accessible to people through the medium of the theatre, and we're constantly um, developing experimenting and refining uh, styles and techniques um, and we've taken a lot of steps along the way in, since those early years to, 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 towards achieving that. I suppose the most significant thing that happened to us along the line was, was uh, one of them anyway, was the formation of a, a small core company of people uh, full-time, to be with us full-time performers, uh, because that enabled us to, to uh, to work at new material, to develop new uh, disciplines, new, new styles and new techniques. And for this we, we, we were able to invite in outside expertise, you know, choreographers, 
uh, theatre directors and so on, who, uh, who broadened our horizons on, on, on our theatrical uh, te techniques. Uh, so there has been a development, and, and I think ma mainly responsible for that development has been the formation of, of the core company. Well, the musicians and the dancers are striking up for this new show, Ding Dong Dethero, Forging the Dance. So let's go in and see what's happening in the auditorium as the crowd gathers here at Shimsatira. One of the most successful shows in the current repertoire of Shim Satira is a show entitled Ding Dong Devereau, Forging the Dance, and it's based on the life and times of Kerry travelling dancing master Jerry Molyneux, known locally as Jerry Munnix. Brian McMahon, who was Jerry Munnix? Jerry Munnix was a, was a, was a blacksmith's son from, from Gunsborough, about three or four miles from the stall. He was he was, he was described to me when I was a boy as a small, accurate little hammer of a man who once held great sway in the North Kerry countryside. And he did. He was an itinerant, uh, an itinerant has different connotations nowadays, but he went from farmhouse to farmhouse and he had a dancing school there. <clears throat> Now, he once made a foray into town, and I was one of his first pupils, but he expelled me after two minutes for laughing. I only found out after a while that he expelled a fellow always to show his authority. He was a cranky little fellow, but he had miraculous feet. Miraculous feet. I didn't realise that I saw him in action. Now, he, he, he was there, and of course, he, you know, he, he was always... Uh, he had a certain area which he covered. It was roughly between Ballyhaig and Glynn. And in that area, he had these dancing schools. And it was a wonderful thing. I see it in retrospect. I see it now possibly a hundred times clearer than I did when I was a, a boy. But uh, he, he was... I, I tell you, I had a dream when I came to the use of my use of reason. That, uh, you, you know, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, this is a big jump now from... But I had an idea that Johnny Munnix would find himself as a bellboy in one of these hotels in New York, and that Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire would come in, and that the bellboy, who was Johnny Munnix, would suddenly dance, and he'd outdance them. This is a f fancy of mine. They put him on the table at times. And they took the drawer of the knives and the forks out and they put them in the rungs below. And then the, the fiddler began to play and then Jerry danced on the table and his feet were a delight. And while he was dancing, there was a little time lag, but the knives and forks danced too in the rungs below. So that's the way he was. But uh, Father Patterhern knew of his power and he gathered a great knot of dancers of North Kerry uh, and they finally culminated in Shimsatira. One of the many visitors here at Shim Satira is Virginia, who's come all the way from Australia. Virginia, what impressed you particularly about this show, which was called Forging the Dance? I was impressed by the dancing, the movements, the feet, the steps. What did you know of Irish traditional music or dancing before seeing this show? I didn't know anything about it. Are you wiser now? A little bit, but um, 
I wish I had read about it and been more aware of what was going to happen tonight. Did the dancing strike any chords with anything you'd seen in Australia? Funnily enough, it actually reminded me a bit of didgeridoos and Aboriginal dancing, but it's not the same. It just had a hint of it. What did you think of the actual performances, the energy in the dance? Very good, yes. It was very energetic. I was stamina. It was all there. It was lovely. But you wish you knew a little bit more about oh, Irish yes. traditions? Definitely, yes. Father Tom Sheehy is from Houston, Texas, and this is your first time seeing Shim Satira here in Chile also. What did you think of the show? Well, I was very impressed with it, and I think especially so since I work with Spanish people, Mexican people, and we see the real effort they're making to keep their culture alive in America. And it was a beautiful parallel between what I see in my own parish and what I saw here on the stage. Did, well, did you see any parallels between Mexican and Spanish dance and some of the Irish steps? Uh, not, not so much in regard to the steps, but I think in regard to the spirit of the whole thing, really. You know, they have a great desire to, pre well, certainly to preserve their language, but also, well, their dancing and their songs and the whole spirit of what it means to be Hispanic in America. And I think that was beautifully shown here in regard to the Irish people. What particularly impressed you about the staging of the show? Well, I think especially, well, I, I'd say the very rhythmic dancing. And now even if you didn't, couldn't understand Irish, as certainly I can't, you could certainly get the theme of what was happening. Little boy growing up into manhood and the struggle of life and things like that. That was so beautiful. But can I just tell you what my father used to tell us? We used to ask him, we used to ask him, Dad, what would you be if you weren't Irish? And he'd say, Dad. <laughs> and I remember that. <laughs> Jacques is a courier who comes from Belgium and he's here with a group of people from the south of France. Jacques, how do you think the people are enjoying the show? Um, they, they appreciate it, um, it very much, although it's very hard to convince them to come here because they are afraid when, when they know it's in Irish, but as soon as they are here, they really enjoy it. What do you think is the main attraction or the main novelty of Shim Satira for groups from Europe? Uh, I'd say that at the very beginning people don't, don't know the, the Irish culture and they, they, they have to discover everything and I think it's a, it's a good way for us Koreas to introduce the Irish culture through the Shimsa. What are some of the funny reactions you get from people? Do they ever, are they ever totally surprised or... Uh, so, so, sometimes they, they, they wonder why, why people are, are laughing on the stage because they, they didn't understand, but as I didn't understand either, it's very hard to explain. Of the shows you have seen in the current repertoire, which is the, your favourite? Uh, my my, my favourite, I don't know the title, but is the one who is... Uh, 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 the, the whole story is about a blacksmith and the story of a blacksmith. I think it's the, really, the, is, the most visual... This is the one called Forging the Dance, yeah. the new show. Yeah. Now that's one of the more difficult shows because there is a lot of uh, modern dance in that show. But you find you like it? Yes, I, I'd, say, I'd say that uh, French people uh, really enjoy it, really, uh, because it's very visual. There are, there are loads of different sets and different different dances, and it's quite funny and it it, it explains very 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 well the, the the problem of immigration and loads of things uh, about which I've uh, talked in in the coach. Ija is 10 years of age and she has seen all the shows in the current Shim Satira season. Ija, what's your favourite show of them all? For, forging the Dance. Why do you like Forging the Dance? I like the bit where, um, where they're all inside in the house and 
one of the women has to leave or something. And, um, she's going away. The man away. has to leave. The man's going away and he's saying goodbye to all his friends. That's a sad bit. Pardon? That's a sad bit. A yeah. very sad bit. But there's also a lot of fun and joy yep. and music and dancing in it, isn't there? Yeah. Would you like to be up there on stage with those girls dancing? Sort of. Why sort of? Well, see, you could forget your lines and you could remember them. If you forgot them, you'd be in trouble. But should there are no lines, there are only steps to remember. Yeah, but then you have to remember all the songs as well. So you think it's a hard job being a performer in Sheemsa, is it? Yeah. But you'd still like to be up there, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because you'd like to hear all the applause. Yeah. So you're going to be on Sheemsa Cheer's stage yourself in a few years' time? I don't know. I might be. Carolyn Swift, dance critic of the Irish Times, you've seen the new Shim Satira show, Ding Dong Dethero Forging the Dance. What did you think of it? Well, I thought that like all Shim Satira's work, it had an enormous spirit and zest and attack with lovely singing and, and, and brilliant dancing. But what I really liked about it was that Father Pat Ahern is pursuing this thing that he has been at for a couple of years of trying to marry Irish traditional dance with contemporary dance. That really, in a sense, is, is what the whole thing is about. And the, the actual theme of the thing, in a way, is the handing down of the old traditional steps by an old dancer of the roads, which was when I saw it, though I believe he's died since, actually danced by a pupil of uh, Manix, the, 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 the great Kerry dancer. And it, it really succeeds very well, or at least it, it's on the way to total success. There are bits of it in which the, the marriage doesn't work perfectly, but by and large, there is no question about it. He's getting there. He's getting some of this feel that you get about flamenco dance and visiting Spanish dance companies. There's this feeling of, of um, more than more than just dance, getting all the, 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 the sort of the fire and the, the emotions of people through dance because the trouble about Irish dance is that it was more or less let die and when it was revived, it was revived slightly artificially. It's not when you see step dance, prize winning step dancers, they don't dance as people danced in, in, in the kitchens, in, in the girl tucked. But now they're getting more of this feeling of, of, of the spirit of, of, of Irish dancing with, all, with the sort of fire and attack. Oliver Hurley, one of the four permanent company members, now in his 20s, joined Shim Satira as a child performer. How far would he like to see contemporary choreography influence the traditional dance of Shimsa? 
Well, you have to be very careful. Father Hearn always keeps a strict eye on things. Um, he has a, a big influence in the dance itself, and he watches. We've been very fortunate to have a good choreographer, Anne Courtney, but he still keeps an eye on it. I mean, you can go so far, but you have to stay faithful to the, the original steps and things like that. You don't just distort them for the sake of distorting them. You try and keep the main step there. Likewise, with the harmonies that we do in Chimps, so we've been criticised for harmonising the songs, that it's not traditional. But he, he's always insistent on keeping the main melody, you know, very strong in it, and not to distort it too much. So likewise, with the dance, we try and watch that. We don't distort the steps, we keep them as intact as they are. One is very slow to throw aside something that's been tried and tested and acclaimed, you know, worldwide, really, which is what the older material we have has been. Um, at the same time, to remain with that only and, and remain static would be, would, 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 I think, would be very detrimental to us. And maybe in the end, we might disappear altogether. We have to be progressing. We have to be experimenting. We have to be trying new, new techniques, new styles, reaching out, finding new ways of maybe treating the same material. Um, so we're tending to move, I think, more in the, in, in the, in the direction of dance, pure dance, maybe. And I'm at the moment, and in this show indeed, the, the Ding Dong Dedero show, has been um, <clears throat> an experiment too, in that it's trying for ways of developing new forms of dance out of the older forms. Because th the dance I'm talking about, which is the North Kerry style, we call it, um, is, I think, myself, maybe I'm prejudiced, but I do believe it's very special. I believe I've seen a lot of dance all over Ireland, and I've seen old dancers in other parts of Ireland, but I haven't seen anything quite like the kind of dance we're talking about, which was fostered by these men that I mentioned earlier. Um, it's a beautiful, uh, fluid, sort of flowing movement of the ankles and feet, and indeed the whole body uh, of the person is, is, is flows into it as well. I remember the late Siobhan McKenna, God be good to her, once when she saw what we were doing, saw some of this old dance, and saw one of these lads, Jerry Nolan from my van, dancing. She was absolutely enthralled, and she spoke of it afterwards. I think she used the words poetry in motion. It, it's that, it's the movement that, that's so attractive. And as I said, the whole body is in it. So I'm searching for, for a, a development of that into new forms, which retain, which, which leaves you no doubt that we're rooted still in the old dance, but which moves into new areas um, of movement and form, and therefore I think if, if one could achieve that, I think then we would have created a very significant, a very strong and powerful folk dance theatre for this country.
Martin Whelan, could you pick out two or three particular highlights of your tours abroad over the years? Well, I suppose the first major tour we undertook was the, the trip to the States in 76. And exactly that stands out. You know, we, were, we went into full-scale, uh, fully professional theatres. Uh, in fact, there you, you, you hired the walls and the seating. So everything had to be brought in. And I always remember getting going, sifting through the bills afterwards, you know, things for the usherettes, uh, cuffs and collars, uh, to changing the billboard outside and washing and cleaning. But everything was on such a grand scale, you know, 40-foot containers and amplification, big, huge banks of it, uh, lighting rigs. Uh, crews of up to 20 people working on the, the setups we performed at the Schubert Theatres in Boston and Chicago and at the um, Palace Theatre on Broadway. And to the sheer size and scale, we hadn't been used to it, but there was a great buzz on that. And then seeing, you know, uh, standing on Broadway on a Friday evening and seeing people being turned away from our production uh, again on the, on the Saturday and the management coming to us and saying, you know, can you stay another week because we're dark next week? That was, certainly was a great highlight and it was a tremendous success for it. Was that the year you got the rave review from Clive Barnes? That's right, yeah. Generally known as the Butcher of Broadway. The Butcher of Broadway. The review, I remember, came out on, on a Tuesday morning. And uh, that's straight away, the, you know, the, the bookings started coming in. Not from the Irish. Um, of course, certainly a lot of Irish people went to it. But from the, nor- the normal theatre-going public. And uh, the management of the theatre were so impressed with, with the, the box office, you know, that they, were try- they would really have liked... Uh, us to, to have stayed on however we were tied to the Schubert and Boston the following week uh, if we'd stayed on we'd have uh, done financially much better I think then in, in 1988 we did the tour in, in Australia and again you know it was a case of you talk about living out of a suitcase we flew from one venue to the other literally to do the set up uh, do the performance back to the hotel off again the following morning so again you know we covered a lot of ground uh, to tour in Australia and uh, again if you're doing um, predominantly one night uh, stands. It's not the way to see Australia, I will admit. But again, it was it was a great, a great memory. Um, I suppose the north of Ireland also stands out quite a lot. Any performance we've done in the north, whether it be in Newry, in Skillen, we've been in Skillen many many times at the Ardone. Uh, but Belfast, uh, they stand out. The, you know the the weight of the, of the reaction that comes back from the audience. I always remember we did a performance in 1980, 1980 at the Belfast uh, Arts Festival. It was at the Whitlaw Hall, and you know there was sort of communications before, and we're talking about five to six hundred people. But uh, near at the time, you know, get these phone calls. Do you mind if the seating is not, it's now gone up to eight hundred? We finished up with thir- thirteen hundred and sixty people, and I always remember that night the reaction, the applause from the crowd, whom the you know the the people, uh, the organisers of the festival, pointed out, wouldn't be Catholic, uh, predominantly Catholic anyway. But uh, people coming up out were saying, my gosh, we never realised that your culture and our culture are the one culture. And uh, we get that reaction quite a bit. People, you know, they come to visit us here in Tralee or wherever we perform in the north, saying that they never realised that, you know, that, that there is that common culture and the common links. And what we are doing in stages, you know, what they had been doing as kids or what they were familiar with. Curtin, you're one of the people who teaches the young people here at Chok Shimsa in Fanoog. How long has Chok Shimsa been going? 
Uh, it's been going, I suppose, about 15, 16 years. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure, but sometimes happened in the mid-70s. Uh, it was one of the, the, the original ideas of Shimsa that there would be houses built in rural areas. There's one built in Finoog and one built back in West Kerry. And the general idea is that this would act as a focus one in Finuk for the North Kerry area, and that's say a radius of 20 miles that the young talent would be drawn towards it and that moulded, and then help to uh, advance on into the, the, the people who would be good enough would advance on into the senior company of, of Shimsado. So that would be a kind of a recruiting process and uh, a place where these people could, could hone and perfect. The, the, the skills they would possess. So it is a seed ground for the main company in Tralee, but of course it's also fulfilling a very useful function in teaching, singing, dancing, mime, music to young people, which is a very worthy end in itself. Yes, well, that, that's, that, that, that is the, the method we use here. The young people attend classes here from, let's say, mid-October until the end of June, and uh, they would attend classes in... 30-minute classes in singing, in dancing, uh, traditional music, and then in uh, mime or more theatre games or something or other to help them to get out of themselves and get rid of all forms of shyness and prepare them for the stage. And how many uh, of the young people would progress from the Chokshimsa to the main company in Tralee? Does it vary from year to year? Yeah, well, ob- obviously it would vary and to depend on what particular talents were needed at a particular time. Uh, the intake has been approximately uh, 20 per year, 20, 25 per year. There would be a certain amount of wastage. Obviously, the larger number that comes in for stay, the greater wastage you're going to have. We would be quite happy if we got five or six people from each intake of 25 to progress on to Tralee because fairly obviously one of the things that happens is while we have a certain element of wastage in the senior company, it, it's not very great. And uh, even though at the moment we've got three shows running in the in the main theatre, and that involves a very large number of people, obviously we wouldn't have vacancies to take on all 25 from Finoog or from Corrig each year, so that there'd be an intake of about 12, let's say, from both half from the North Kerry area and half from the West Kerry area. Two of the young people who come here to Chok Shimsa in Finoog to learn the skills that go to make up the parent company are Tim Summers and Nora O'Regan. Tim, how long have you been learning the skills like Irish music and singing and dancing? Well, to, here in Talk Shames it's been two years, but um, later on it'd be, it was about four years at least anyway. And who teaches you? Well, the, we have a good few teachers here. We have, um, we have Anne Hillard and, um, and Dowling and a few other teachers. Like, How did you get interested in learning about... Irish music and dance and song and the folk tradition. I think it's nice to keep up the tradition in Ireland. Why? Because, well, it's our native thing, like. And what started you off? Were you always interested in... Oh, yeah, it was in me. It was? Yeah. Did you get it from your parents? I suppose, yeah. My dad was a good fiddle player. I see. Would you hope now, when you get a bit older, maybe to join the the Shim Satira Company in Tralee? Yeah, to be very nice. I think it would be enjoyable, a new experience. What would be your ambition now, to be on the big stage there? Oh, yeah, definitely. What would you like to do? Be an actor. Nora O'Regan, how long are you learning here at Chuck Sheems in Finoog? Two years, as well as Tim. (laughs) And what's the great buzz or excitement of what you learn? Um, To me, um, drama, I find drama very exciting, because I like drama and acting and... (laughs) 
Would you hope to go on to join the big company in Tralee? Yes, I would. Do you much. know any of the people in the company there? Um, uh, my sister Siobhan goes in um, to Talk Shimsa. She she was here for three years and she got into the Talk Shimsa in three. So what kind of skills do you learn now when you come to classes here in Fanoog once a week? Um, you can play an instrument. Um, I play the tin whistle. Um, you dance. Dancing is the main um, tradition here in Talk Shimsa. Um, miming and singing. Breen, former director of the Arts Council and theatre director, you're aware that Shim Satira over the years hasn't been without its critics. Indeed, well, I think there's been a certain uh, metropolitan envy factor, let me put it that way. The fact that Shim Satira uh, grew up away from the city, away from, from Dublin, away from, let's say, the centre of things, and created its own terms of reference and that by and large it had done several years of, uh, of fairly uh, basic work in, in establishing its style before Dublin noticed it was there. It described itself as the, uh, the National Folk Theatre of Ireland, but really until it performed in Dublin, uh, the Dublin media were not commenting. It, uh, there were no reviews of its work. Uh, and uh, the, the criticisms, I think, have stemmed from a discomfort of a largely urban audience for something that is uh, unashamedly uh, rural in its ethos and in its values. There's, I think, a feeling, though, that to some extent it has, um, it has taken those rural values and given them a rather uncritical gloss and presented them in a rather, if it's not too, too, too much of a pun, a folksy way, that is, a harmless way, uh, the phrase has been used, the comely maidens at the crossroads, that this element of uh, an antiseptic Irish culture is what Shim Satira has been about. And I think it's basically that that objection that underlies a lot of the criticism one hears voiced about Shim What uh, then do you think are the strengths of the company? Well, I think the strength of the company is its its community base, that it started out with amateur uh, performers, people who uh, shared the vision that Father Pat Ahern had for Shame Satira, who were good musicians or good dancers or good storytellers, and that these elements were integrated uh, into the original concept. I think, though, that wasn't sufficient to sustain it, and one of its weaknesses has been the slowness of it to develop and to diversify based on those strengths. So what were its strengths in starting out, I think, became to some extent inhibiting factors in the development of the company once it became uh, secure in its, uh, in its administrative structure. Carolyn Swift, what do you make of some of the criticisms that have been levelled at Shim Satira over the years? Well, the criticism that annoys me most is that they're phony because they're not. They're ex- 
but they're remarkably authentic and they have most interesting record of, of the, the work of the traveling cobbler and the Thatcher and folk customs at Baltimore and various different festivals. And they're anything but phony. And it seems to me that it's sort of the, the national inferiority complex in a way that, that people seem to feel that because uh, foreigners like it, we are cheapening ourselves in doing this for foreigners. It, it's like bog oak, you know, because foreigners love things made of bog oak, we seem to feel there's something wrong with bog oak. There's nothing wrong with bog oak. It's beautiful. What's wrong with bog oak is when you make cheap tatty souvenirs out of it. But there's nothing cheap about what Shem Satira is doing. It's beautifully, beautifully authentic. And um, the suggestion that they're, they're folksy is another one that annoys me, because after all, they are the National Folk Theatre of Ireland. Why, why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they be about folklore? That is what they're there to do. And there are companies all over the world. In every country or many countries, they have a national folk theatre. I saw an excellent one in Mexico. And this is the work Shem Satira is doing is comparable with that. It, most company, countries have ballet companies and contemporary dance companies and a folk dance company. And nobody expects it to do anything but record the folk theatre traditions of the country but because we are we're poor in other companies people are expecting of Shem Satira to do all sorts of things it's not within its brief to be doing there's another criticism that they have remained very static and I agree that they have been a bit slow in their development over over the years perhaps because they had a very successful formula when you have a very successful formula and you're getting great applause all over the world you tend not to change it but there's no question about it Father Pat O'Hearn is making great efforts now to develop it in this very link that he is trying to achieve between traditional Irish dance and modern contemporary dance and he's well on the road I would say, first of all, anybody's quite entitled to have his or her view of what we're doing, and if they feel that way about it, there's nothing I can do about it to change it, or would I try? The, the only thing I can say, really, is that, for me, there is no phoniness there. Uh, I, I've created this, or I'm, I'm attempt, attempting still to create something out of my own uh, experience, something that has been uh, very deep in me from my childhood, and there's nothing phony about that. Everything that is on that stage is absolutely real to me. I've experienced it. The people who are my contemporaries have experienced it. Um, I'm talking about the, the kind of lifestyle that we're portraying, the things that we, we, we pick up on, on stage. Uh, things like, I mean, I, I, I footed turf. I, I, I picked potatoes and came home in the evening with the... The, the, the mud hardening in my hands, you know. And I bound corn in the fields after the, my, my grandfather had mowed it down with the scythe. Um, maybe, I have a, maybe, maybe I'm talking sort of nostalgic thoughts at the moment, but maybe nostalgia is, a very, is also a, a good motivation for one. Uh, what I'm saying anyway, Seamus, is that, that, that what, what I do is very much from the heart, uh, out of a deep, um, deep... Um, want to, to, to let other people feel what I have felt. And I think that if I'm doing that somehow for people, the people who respond to that uh, reward me sufficiently, and I'm not bothered in the least about people who, who unfortunately miss out on that. I think perhaps people who don't see beyond the surface level of, of um, maybe, to quote, um, sweet sounds of folk music on stage, too sweet for the ear, or whatever, 
If people who can't see beyond these things to the deeper level, the deeper, the deeper uh, understanding of what we're trying to capture and preserve and um, project to other people, well then I, I, I can't say anything except um, it's, it's their poverty. Well, I would like to see them uh, develop the work they have done in the area of mime. I think mime is a tradition that isn't well established in Ireland. And I think Shim Satira have done well there to use mime as an elaboration of the storytelling process. But I would like to see much more mime technique rather than simplistic. Uh, uh, here we are at the forge or here we are milking the goat. I'd like to see much greater degree of sophistication in the mime. Um, I would also, I think, like to see more contemporary themes drawn in. Uh, there, there, were, there was, I think, the, say, the criticism of, of school books in Irish that they related why urban children couldn't respond to Sean or Sheila was that they're engaged, they engaged in basically rural pastimes, which meant nothing to, to young people living in an urban context. Uh, I, I think that perhaps Shimsa is in danger of uh, uh, of not addressing the people of Kerry. Let's forget uh, the rest of Ireland, let alone the people of New York, that until Shimsa successfully addresses a Kerry audience and that Kerry people feel that this speaks of them and to them, uh, it, 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 it will be in danger of being packaged for tourists. And that kind of packaging sometimes will undermine what it is attempting to do. So I see it, it, it should look to a more contemporary dimension. It needs, I think, to build on that amateur dimension that was its original strength. I think it needs to have, uh, well, obviously the word I would use is professional, but that isn't to suggest that Shimsa has never been less than professional in its approach. But it needs to give the performers the full-time commitment uh, to developing themes, to developing the dance, the music and the mime in an integrated way. I think that is one of the the uh, the reasons why the development has been so slow is that it has lacked a critical mass of ongoing permanent talent rooted in the company. Well, I would like to see Father Patterhan continue this business of trying to link traditional dance with modern dance, because if if I have ever had a criticism of Shame Satira at all, it is a very slight sameness in their work, that everything is all sweetness and light, that it a bit lacks the, the, the black that makes the white stand out more. And I think that in linking it with modern dance, imperceptibly, it, it, it will help in this way, because in the current show, where you have, for instance, the two rival born players uh, attacking each other through their, their dance and their movements, you get this feeling of the sort of the jealous rivalry between two men in flamenco, say, and gradually I think it will help to introduce more and more this, this um, strength that has perhaps been slightly lacking in the work to date that's been intended to be all sweetness and light and you never get a feeling of jealousy or, or rivalry or any kind of um, lesser, the less attractive characteristics. And I think that will automatically come with this development.
Well, it has given us respect for the small, broken things that are our own. We, we are a nation of imitators. I, I, it's characteristic of the Irish people I don't like. They imitate. But there's a certain kennel, a certain intelligent minority, uh, to quote a famous politician at one time, who say, this is what we must build on. We must build on what we have. They're, they're, they're small things that have... That, it's, it's miraculous, you know. When you think of the game of hurling, out of out of no more, you know, the ash from our ash trees uh, and the slitters from our horse skin, and a beautiful game such as we've seen recently come to fruition in that. In the same way, Fiemsa has established great respect on an artistic plane for the small beauties of the countryside as expressed in the dance.